Hey there, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Our mission at Hope is to invite everyone to find Jesus and help them move toward the center of God's purpose for their life. Here's this weekend's message. Well, welcome, welcome all of our campuses, all of you watching online, all of us here at Frisco East. How many feeling good today? Man, it's a good day, beautiful day. Um, Men's conference this Friday. Hey, we got over a thousand guys coming, uh, probably a lot more than that now. And so, uh, man, if you're not signed up yet, man, I want to encourage you, uh, sign up. I mean, listen, if you don't like anything else, Tony Evans is going to be there. He is legendary. And, uh, and Whitaker and Lopes, uh, I mean, just so many good things going on. So, um, and it's a great way to meet some people. So that's, that's uh, a men's conference this Friday. And then Mother's Day is next week. Just a little reminder, friendly reminder that Mother's Day is next week, and Vivian is going to be awesome, so you're going to be blessed. We are all going to be blessed. Um, Before I dive into the message, um, every once in a while, something comes my way uh, as far as ministry that I feel like, you know what, hope needs to be involved in some way, uh, and maybe in many, multiple ways, but we need to be involved in this. And this week, I was reintroduced to something that I want to share with you, and, and how I'm going to do that is through my good friend, Blake Walker. He is a West Campus guy. They say West is the best, so um, that's what they say. Uh, we all know that everyone is the best. Everybody gets a trophy, but <clears throat> um, Blake Walker is our own, uh, I mean, he has been a Hope Fellowship for many years, and he sits on the board of what we're getting ready to talk about, and he does that voluntary. The amount of hours this guy spends uh, trying to serve this ministry is unbelievable. I cannot wait for you to hear about it, and I want us to all be involved. So Blake, uh, where did he go? Oh, there he is. Come on, man. Blake Walker from West Campus. Come on up, man. So glad you're here. Thank you for being here, all services. Now you know what it's like. (laughs) Come on. Thank you Um, for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't want to tell them what's going on. You, you just sh- kind of share the story of how you got involved. You told me this this week, and it's just like, wow, I love this. Tell the story. So probably nine years ago, Bruce Kendrick was preaching about foster care and adoption, him and his wife. And I was sitting in the audience, and just my heart was broken for the stories he was telling. And I, I don't think I was ready to adopt or, or do emergency foster care, but Bruce's kind of message was, hey, if you're not ready for that, but do something. Yeah, do like, something. pray about doing something. And so God just really started working on me, and I started praying about it. And I work in construction, and I thought, you know, there's kids aging out that he talked about that need a job. Maybe I can help a couple kids find a job. Um, and so... I I emailed Bruce, and we started talking, and he put me in touch with Pastor Kyle Bateman in Wichita Falls. My buddy. We went to school together. That's right. And he had started um, Phased In in 2013, a home for kids that age out. And um, so I had no idea what aging out was. I didn't understand any of the stats, any of the kind of the the laws and how this works. And so I just dove in headfirst. And... uh, I learned a lot of alarming stats that sadly enough have been the same for about the last 10 years. Some of them have grown. Um, One of the most alarming is 1,500 kids age out each year in the state of Texas. Um, That means that you have this beautiful 17-year-old kiddo who's about to turn 18, and they have never been adopted by their forever family. So they are 
bouncing from foster home to foster home. And finally, they're about to turn 18 and their group home tells them, hey, happy birthday. Tomorrow you're an adult and you're on your own. And the state of Texas has no more money for you. And we're going to drop you off wherever you want to go. And so they don't have anywhere to go. So that, they, that seems unreal to us. Oh, no, it's yeah. Right. To some of us, you're like, that doesn't happen. Yeah. It happens, it happens every day. And it there happens. are some great foster parents who don't do that kind of you thing. You bet. There's some good ones out there, but you don't hear those stories. Right, right. The kids who age out are in the bad stories uh, because they've never been in a good home. And so they end up taken to a homeless shelter with their stuff in a trash bag on their 18th birthday. Uh, and you can imagine, we have a girls' home. So Phased In is, a, is an SIL. It is a... Um, supervised independent living through the state of Texas. It's a 501c3. We point these kids to Jesus. We give them hope. Um, and so these girls, imagine you've just turned 18 and now you have been thrust into a situation where you're homeless. And so there are people preying on them. There are human traffickers waiting on them. They're, they have nowhere to go. Uh, and so they have become hopeless. And so we have created, Phased In is there to be hope, to be their family, to live the gospel out in front of them. Um, and we talked about the, there's a, when you reach a traumatic event in your life, it stops your, um, your maturity level kind of stops where the trauma starts. Even though they're 18, you, you would think that, oh, well, then go get a job and, you know, at least get something going. But many of them think at 10, 11, 12 years old. Yeah. So they, you, you may see a beautiful 18 year old woman who thinks like a 10 year old. And so hasn't graduated high school, doesn't have a GED, has bounced around, may read at a middle school level. And so there's a lot of work. There's a lot of prayer. There's a lot of, like we said, living out the gospel with these girls, being a mentor to them, uh, serving them. And it's a long, slow process of counseling and Christian counseling. We have uh, house parents that live on site with them that love these kids. Um, And it's a tough ministry. So that's in Wichita Falls. That one's in Wichita Falls. But now we have... We're getting ready to open one in DFW in Arlington. Right. I was there. This is why we're here today. You're here today. Monday, you invited uh, Angela, Aaron, and I to come over and just look at what you're doing. You've been donated a, a, a church for a dollar. Um, and this is an old, kind of an old part of town, an older church. But you've been given this. But it's costing so much to renovate because you got to totally renovate it to be uh, homes for like 12 to 20 girls, depending on how many RAs and, and house parents. The house parent is already there, but you got to build this thing. And you're about what, a little over halfway done? A little over halfway done. We're trying to raise 300K in four months. So That's- we want to be a part of that. So I'm asking you if you don't want to give, if you don't have it to give, totally understand. I know we're raising money for Prosper. I love you guys over there in Prosper. I know we're raising money for that, that uh, campus. But every once in a while, I just think it's worth uh, giving you the opportunity to be a part of something. So Monday, us three, we went over to look at this. We toured it with, with Blake and Daryl Trout, who runs this, and my friend Kyle, who started this. Um, and we came with a check. We came with a check in our hands, an envelope, and at lunch, Angela slipped it over to me, and I slipped it back, and I said, we got to do more than that. And, and so I didn't know how we're going to do more than that, but I said, we got to do more than that. And it was a check for $5,000. It was a good check. You know, they could have used that. But I just felt like, you know what? Um, we can do more. And, and, and so I just want to give you an opportunity, Melissa and I, 
going to substantially be a part of this. And I want you, I just invite you to join us if you can, if you can't totally understand it. But would, would you at least pray? For, for them as they get ready, the, the city, you know how cities are. And I, if you work for the city, we love you, but you guys can be very difficult. Um, so no emails, I love you, we pray for you and your <laughs> wicked ways. Uh, kidding, <laughs> kidding. Anyway, it's, it's, but th- some of the things they're doing is cost a lot more than what you anticipated. So that's why four months, you got to raise 300,000. We want to be a big part of that. So would you join me, and I want to say thank you, Blake, for you don't get any money for this. In fact, you give a ton of money, time, energy, love. Um, and I only say that because this is, he doesn't get paid to do this. I asked him to come. He, he serves here at Hope, and I've been to the, the ranch in Oklahoma, and we've had a great time. They're such giving people. And I just felt like, you know what, I want to give you the opportunity. So there's some ways to do that. It's going to be on the screen. You can go to hopefellowship.net slash give. And that's the, that's the way in which most of us, we go online, we give that way. You just go to the drop down tab and there's general offering, I think it says, and then phased in. You can give whatever you want to give there. You can text any amount with the words foster care, two words, foster care, text 84321, any amount, and foster care, or you can give in the drop boxes in the back. Um, we'd love to, to, for you to be a part of this. And so I wanna pray. Pray for these girls that are, that are gonna be in this zone. They're already trying to sign up, right. trying to find a place to gr- go. We have that girls writing us letters, asking as, us, when as are you As much as that breaks our heart, Guys, I'm just telling you, it breaks the heart of God for orphans. And, and so, if you would be a part of, of, uh, of, of their lives in, in, in either money or prayer or volunteer, however you want to do it, um, I just ask that you'd be a part of this with us. Lord, we love you and your grace in our lives and some of our kids who enjoy the good things of life. And there is nothing wrong with that. However, there's a ton of kids that don't get that opportunity, and, and we want to be a, a part of, of helping them uh, not only make a life for themselves, but follow you and be introduced to the greatest gift of all, Jesus. So I, I bless, I bless the, this ministry. I ask you to bless, I should say. And I ask you to bless Blake and his family as they give and give and the rest of the board, Daryl and, and the house parents and the RAs and the people that will be involved and, and specifically those girls who will uh, be a part of this in Arlington, the ones in, in Wichita Falls. And God, we just pray that you're, you would increase like, like, like the loaves and the fish in that basket that you made enough for everyone. I pray that you would do that for them um, as we are a small part of this and, and as you provide in other ways. God, bless this ministry and these kids. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Blake, thank you. Thank you, you so much. I love you. Appreciate you. Love Thanks for being Would you give Blake a big hand? I love you, man. Okay. Uh, changing gears, uh, fractured faith for the last two weeks, <clears throat> uh, or actually last week and this week, we've talked about people who have struggled with their faith in some way. Um, perhaps that is through theological things, just wondering why bad things happen to good people. 
And if there's a loving God, an all-powerful God, how come bad things happen? How could he allow 18-year-olds to just go on the street? You know, that kind of thing. Those are real questions that many, many struggle with. And um, in the church world, that is called deconstruction. People who have walked through some uh, theological challenges, even belief in God challenges, or maybe some hurt in the church or, or some way. Let me, let me give you the definition for the person of deconstruction. And that is this, someone who's questioning and wrestling with previously held Christian beliefs, so that's what we just talked about, Christian leadership disappointments, and that's a real thing. We, I, have said things, I've done things, I've not done things to hurt. We've done it in, in other ways, uh, lack of living the correct way and whatever. There's a lot of ways that that's happened. And then Christian community disillusionment, just being upset with people in the church who've hurt you, who've said bad things uh, or, or not said things they should have said or not been there or judgmental or wh whatever. So the person of deconstruction or the person who, as we used in Luke 15, the, uh, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal son, the lost son, there are many ways in which this happens. Some wander off and just, you know, go to college and kind of lose their way. Others are misplaced or hurt by the church in some way. And then others rebel. I'm not saying in, in, in a, a blanket or a general statement that everyone who struggles with faith or who wanders away is a, as a, a sorry heathen, right? Like the prodigal son who just rebelled and just said, I'm doing it my way, and he paid for that. Not everybody who is walking through wrestling with theological issues or church issues or hurt issues is a, is a terrible sinner. Many of them still believe in Jesus, have a relationship with God. It just, this way it's been hard. And I'm sure many of you understand that. So let me talk to, if you, maybe you're watching online and, and you've not had the ability to walk through the doors of a church yet because there's been so much hurt maybe anger, maybe frustration, bitterness even. Let me talk to those of us that have, maybe right now, you may be sitting in one of our campuses right here at East, and you're struggling with your relationship with God, wrestling with theological things, belief things. But you're here, and you're watching. So there's an openness to your heart. There's, there's a I, I want to wrestle with this because I'm not giving up. I just don't know what to do with this. Let me, let me say a few things to the person of deconstruction. What took years to deconstruct could take some time to reconstruct. So be patient and be persistent. What, whatever the wrestle, whatever the disappointment, whatever the disillusionment, whatever the struggle or challenge or hurt or pain or abuse... That took years to, to kind of get you to a place of like, whoa, I don't want any part of that or I don't know that I believe, you know, type, type of thing. Well, it's gonna take some time to reconstruct that. Don't just give up at the first hint of, of hurt or the first hint of question. The second thing that I would say is reconstruction doesn't happen by osmosis. In other words, just because you mentally decide, okay, I'm gonna re-engage with God, doesn't mean that that's all there is. There's some steps that we need to take, and I want to suggest just a few of them. Well, the first one is just Bible reading. You don't have to study, and I'm saying this in a way in which you don't read the Bible to critique it necessarily, although God's not intimidated by our questions or our critiques, but in a way in which you're saying, God, 
Reveal yourself to me through your word. Reveal, speak to me through prayer. Prayer is a fancy or a religious word for talk. I mean, it's just talking to God like you would talk to your friend, talk to your neighbor, talk to your spouse. Just prayer is talking. Tell them your frustrations. Tell them your hurt. Tell them the things that you have questions about. Talk to him about it and, and ask him to heal. Ask him to bring you into a place where you can get answers and so forth. There's a lot of things you can pray. And then reconnect to a Christian community in some way. Maybe you're watching online. You've just not been able to take that step to come to church, not because of COVID or anything. It's just hurtful. You just don't, you're not ready for that, Okay. That's why we have online campus and Pastor Mary who, who runs that and leads you guys. We're so glad. I'm just so glad you're watching. Reconnect that way. Get involved in a small group online or, or maybe you're here and you're sitting in the building and, and you've not reconnected in a long time. I invite you to reconnect. It's one thing to reconnect this way, but it's another thing to reconnect this way. And it requires, listen to me, everybody look at me, it requires both. What's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor as yourself. Can't get around that. That's what Jesus said. That's not just Old Testament. That's what Jesus said. So reconnect. And I say that in a light way, not in a like heavy-handed way. Just to, hey, reconnect when you're ready and able. And then the next one is regeneration. We here at Hope have uh, a ministry called Regeneration every Monday night at the Frisco East Campus, 630. And, and I want to clear up something about regen. Many think it's for addicted uh, type stuff. I'm addicted to alcohol or, or drugs or sex or you know, pornography or whatever. It, it, we help with that. It, it certainly does. But this is more of a discipleship in reconnecting this, this way in life. And, and it's not just for addiction. So maybe you're here and you're just like, man, maybe that would help. Guys, you don't have to sign up. You just show up. And it takes work, consistency, and what, what I meant uh, a, a minute ago is, is it takes actual steps to get that way. And I encourage you to finish it. Just don't go a few weeks and say, okay, I'm fixed and done. It takes a while to get this thing done. But, and the next one is, is Christian counseling. That can help in tremendous ways, walking through the pain and the hurt and the wrestling of, of things. So if you're a person who has wandered, who has deconstructed or is deconstructing, but your heart is open to reconstruct, then I invite you to be patient, to be consistent, and to actually take some steps. Okay, now, that's, that was last week. We talked about the person of deconstruction. Today, I want to talk about the person of reconstruction. I know some of you are looking at your watch. You, you better hurry. I understand. I understand. I spent a lot of time with Blake. Spent a lot of time on that last week's message. Um, but stay with me. The people of reconstruction. Let me give you the definition, and we'll go to the scripture, Luke 15. The people of reconstruction. Here's my definition. People who play a pivotal role in the story of a person of deconstruction reconstructing their relationship with God and his people. So in other words, we can be a part of the story of people who struggle, wrestle, disillusioned, disappointed. We can be, instead of the, the people who say, hey, you need to go grow up. Hey, you need to just get a life. Instead, we're the people who can be a pivotal part of their story of reconnecting to God and reconnecting to his people. 
Now, I want to go to uh, Luke 15. This is the story of the prodigal son. I know I read it last week, so I'm not going to read the whole story. But the front of the story is the prodigal son. This is a story that Jesus told in Luke 15, along with the lost sheep, the lost coin, and this is called the lost son or the prodigal son. He comes to his father, and he says, hey, I want, I want my wealth now. I want my inheritance now. I'm, I, I want to leave. I want to go do my own life. And so his father gives him the money, and the guy goes in and wastes his money on wild living, and he loses it all. He's feeding pigs at another farmer's uh, place, and he's thinking while he's there, he's like, man, at least I should go back. At least I should go back to my father's house. I don't need to be a son again, but at least he'd treat me better. I know I'd get fed better than that. So he goes back to his father, and what would he find? He finds his father running toward him when he sees his son coming down the road, and he grabs him, and he hugs him, and he calls for them to have a celebration, fatten the, uh, or get the fattened calf, and, and let's barbecue. Let's get the, the band. Let's get George Strait. Let's, let's have, I'm kidding, I mean, some Christian some Christian music. Let's get some worship music to celebrate. Let's, let's have a party, right? Now, that's not the end of the story, though. Verse 25, let's look. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working, and when he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants, what was going on? Your brother is back, he, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out, begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. He has a point, doesn't he? Right? I mean, if you really think about this story, non-related to what I'm getting ready to say, because most of you are ahead of me, you know what I'm going to say. But in the story, it's kind of like, hey, hey, what if, this guy, what in the world? Now, welcome him home, yes, but let's not celebrate his sin. Does this ring true? Okay, never mind. His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost but now he's found. He was lost, but now he is found. Now let me give you the, 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 the cast of this story, the three main ones. The father is God. The prodigal son is a person of deconstruction. Now let me just say this, not every person of deconstruction is a rebellious prodigal son or daughter. Okay, so that's not what I'm saying. But within this story, in the context of the three stories, Stay with me. The, the prodigal son is that person who has been lost for whatever reason. Now, for this particular reason, he chose to go. He chose to re rebel. Many are just wandering, just like hurt, disillusion, that type of thing, okay? And then the third is their older brother. Now, this could be the religious leaders, and it obviously is. All of these stories in Luke 15 are pointed or told because of the religious leaders, because of their um, attitude. And I'll get to that in a minute. But I think that older brother should have been a person of 
reconstruction. I, I think that person, that older brother, should have been, where's he at? He's back? Oh, let me see him. Let me see him. Come here. Come here. You know, so glad you're home, man. I've waited. But in, instead, he was, let me talk about two people here and give you some characteristics of the two major people involved. We know God's heart. Welcome. Run. Hug. We know God's heart. <clears throat> and that should be all of our hearts. But it's easier said than done, isn't it? Especially when it happens in your family. When you have somebody who rebels or somebody who's wandering, somebody who's questioning, somebody who's wrestling, when it hits home, it becomes harder to manage the, the tension between religious leader and person of reconstruction. So let me give you the two different characteristics of those two people, religious leaders and people of reconstruction. And let's hurry. Religious leaders, first of all, self-righteous, condescending. In Luke 15, verses 1 and 2, before Jesus tells the stories, the reason he tells the stories is because of verse 1 and 2. And here's what verse 1 and 2 says. Many of the religious leaders were frustrated, irritated, that Jesus hung out with notorious sinners. That's why Jesus tells these three stories. To illustrate that because I'm spending time with these notorious sinners, when one of them comes back to the fold, we all celebrate. All three stories, they celebrated somebody coming back. Somebody who was lost is now found. We throw a party. Now, the context is they were Jewish people. These notorious sinners, listen to me, were Jewish people. What does that mean? They knew the law. They knew full well what they were doing was wrong. These are not Roman centurions, Roman heathens, or Greek heathens. These are people who were raised in the synagogue. So in other words, in our context, we're, we're, what we're talking about are people who are, have wrestled with the way in which they were raised. They were raised in a Christian home. They were raised believing in God, raised with the Torah or with the Bible, the scripture. And they're wrestling. So the context is not these lost heathens of other religions or other uh, ideologies. We're talking about Jewish people who knew better, okay? So that's the context. So when it says they were frustrated that Jesus was hanging out with notorious sinners, this screams self-righteous and condescending. Condescending in the way in which, hey, 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 why are you even, why are you even hanging out with those people? They don't, they're not worthy of your time, Rabbi. They're scum and nobody, we're, they're dead to us. Self-righteous condescending. The next is entitled or jealous. So when the older brother comes back, okay, he doesn't come back to say, wow, that's awesome. Wow. I mean, you know, a little like, okay, is he really changed or is he just coming back for more money? Does it make sense? So, I mean, all these things, the older brother, this is a story, so it didn't really happen, but all these things could make sense in the story of, of how 
how easy it is for us to fall into the characteristics of the religious leaders because there's tensions to manage. Is he coming back in authenticity in, in a, with a genuine or authentic heart? Or is he coming back to get more money? What is going on here? And I have been faithful. I have worked my tail off. And you never even throw me a party. This isn't fair. This entitlement. And I know in this area, we have no entitlement. <laughs> but... It's a characteristic of religious leaders. The next one is is judgmental, quick to point out the sin, quick to point out the the mistake. Hey, 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 he wasted your money and he wasted on prostitutes. Ridiculous, how evil. This This does not deserve a party. He should be told what up, what for type of thing. It's easy to feel that way. These are characteristics, though, of the opposite of the way we're supposed to be. Now, Jesus tells the story, so don't get mad at me. Jesus says, says it this way, not me. The next is unforgiving, no grace. I'm not going in there. Mm-mm. I don't even want to talk to him. I'm not going to be a part of this celebration. I'm not going to be a part of this. No way. He doesn't deserve this. Listen, all the while, everybody look at me. I don't care who you are, and I don't care what degrees you have biblically. I don't care how many years you have served and been in church. Every one of us has needed to be forgiven of our sin. And all of us, everybody look at me. We're one step away from stupid. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we're, I mean, I'm talking about like this. I mean, we could just, I mean, one wrong move and we could find ourselves in a position that, that we never thought we would be in because we got weak. We, 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 we distanced ourselves from God in whatever way and, and we, we made a decision and it put us in a place where now we're in need of forgiveness and grace. That's what the religious leaders could not fathom and Jesus Of all the people he ever dealt with, the people who irritated him the most were church people who thought they deserved it. Guys, I'm guilty. I'm guilty of of saying things about people who have wandered or been lost. I'm guilty of that. I'm sure you are too. Those are the that's how easy it is to, to get caught in this trap of. Well, I don't know if they've changed. I don't know what I'm going to say about that or think about that. They've got to prove, you know, all those things that Jesus didn't mention. Okay, so let me give you the, the characteristics of a person of reconstruction, okay? So this is who we're supposed to be, humble and discerning. Guys, just a humility about the, the fact that we're all in this together and that because somebody wrestles doesn't mean they're evil because somebody who's been hurt doesn't mean they're immature or shallow. There's, there's, this, there's this overwhelming sense of pride that can happen or we can humble ourselves and, and, and just say, hey, you know what? Um, I, I need Jesus too. I need forgiveness too. 
And the discerning part, the reason I threw that in there is because in the first two stories, the lost sheep and the lost coin, the shepherd goes and looks for the lost sheep, leaves the 99, goes for the one, and then the woman turns the house upside down looking for the coin. In the prodigal story, the father stays home. And discerning when to go after those who wander, discerning when to go after those who have been lost and hurt, and then staying home for the rebellious type who, who hey, I know the truth. I know which, what, what's right. I choose to do my own thing. How many find that hard? So what do I do? First of all, don't email me and ask me. <laughs> hey, what should I say? Should I say anything? Should I? I don't know. We all have to discern our relationships and your son, your daughter, your, your husband, your wife, you know, all those things. But I can tell you this. That if a, I'll just give you this, if, if a person who has looked at you in the eyes and says, I don't want to hear it, I don't want, to, I don't want you to talk about it, I'm done with church, I'm done with God, I don't want to, the last thing you probably need to do is send them scripture every day. You know what I'm saying? The last thing you need to do is bring it up every meal. If they happen to be, hey, hey, we just want you to know that we love you even though you're lost as a goose, you know, type of thing. That's the last thing they need to hear. So this discernment, and I, again, I don't know all the answers, but I do know this as a youth pastor. I had so many parents come to me and say, hey, my little John, he's, he's doing this and doing that, and I need you to talk to some sense into him. And I'm, I'm thinking, you don't want to talk to me. Now, did I? Yes. But I knew in my heart it wasn't time. Now, I'm not saying I know the difference all the time, but there are times when you just pray. All you got to do is pray and say, God, hey, let me know. And I know it's harder when it's, when it's your family. I know it's harder when it's your son, your daughter. I know. But there's times in which you need to back off and just let God do his thing with them and let them get to that place where they come back. And there's times in which you go and you help and you restore. Discerning those times, you got to figure that out with God. I say, Holy Spirit, lead me in the right ways, okay? So that's what I mean by person of, of uh, or people of reconstruction. Humble and discerning. Let's go through these quickly. Quick to serve and to celebrate. Hey, hey, say, say, hey, hey look, I can barbecue. Hey, I can, I can get the band. Hey, I can bring the robe. I can do whatever. Just quick to say, hey, what can I do to serve? What can I do to be a part of their, of their healing? The next one is compassion. I mean, what they don't need is you to say, told you so, dummy. What they don't need is, is some of that, because that goes back to this, pride or humility. What they do need is some compassion, and, and for you to just, as an older brother or as a brother or sister in Christ, just say, hey, man, I'm so glad you're here. When somebody you haven't seen in church for a long time, the last thing you need to say is, oh, the roof's going to cave in. You came back, huh? After all this time. God bless you. I've been faithful right here. Where you, be? you know, that's the last thing that they need to say. Or here, sorry. The last one is quick to forgive and restore. Now, again, I understand this is easier said than done when it's home with you, when your son has done things that have hurt you guys deeply, when your daughter has done things, when your spouse has done things, when somebody, friend, whatever. It's, easier to, it's easy for me to say, hey, you just need to forgive and forget when it's real and it's home and you don't know what they, with them coming back, if it's genuine or not. 
Well, I don't know what to tell you. It's hard to manage those tensions. But the, the overarching message of Jesus to the religious leaders were in all of these stories, hey guys, you're the older brother. And that's not helpful. That's, that's not bringing people back, that's pushing people away. So let me ask you a question, which one are you? And I know we're both, right? Sometimes I can, I can have the attitude. Sometimes I can say, whatever. And then sometimes I go and, lo- like the shepherd, I go and look for that lost sheep and I go text him and I say, hey, can we have lunch? I love you. We go back and forth, I know, but generally speaking, which one are you more like? Listen, the answer to that question will determine how we as a church influence the next generation. The next generation is full, they're full of questions. I'm not saying they're all young. I'm just saying some of them, they're, they're going to college and they're experiencing things. They're dealing with things. They're challenged with things. And, and how you and I handle the wrestling of theology, the wrestling of questions, the wrestling of political the wrestling of how you and I as believers handle whether we're a religious leader or a person of reconstruction will determine the level of our influence in the lives of those who are wandering, misplaced, or rebellious. And I'm just, guys, I want hope. I can't speak for other churches, but I want hope to be the part, to, to be the people of reconstruction. It's easy to sit on our church pews and point fingers to the less fortunate, to the wrestling, to the wanderer, to the rebellious. It's easy to say, dummy. But it's a lot harder to say, man, I love you. And I'm so sorry. I'm sorry that I've hurt you. I'm sorry that I've ignored you. Maybe some of us here today, we have people that we're thinking about in our minds right now, family members, friends, colleagues, whatever, that have wandered and we have we have like cut them off, so to speak. No, we've not been mean. We have just ignored them. Maybe it's time that we send a text or an email or even a call and just say, hey, and even say the words, I didn't know how to respond, so I have ignored you, and I'm sorry. They may not care. They may say, I'm not meeting with you. I mean, that, that's there on them. But can we be the people who say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I hurt you. I'm sorry I haven't reached out. I'm sorry I haven't welcomed you back. Second Corinthians 5.20, we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead Come back to God. You and I speak for Jesus. What are you speaking? Religious relationship. God, your word, as much as it pains us sometimes, cuts. But it's a good cut. 
I want to be a person of reconstruction. I want to be a church of reconstruction. And this is easier said than done. We don't get it right every time. We're not perfect. And there's some tensions to manage, problems to solve. But at the end of the day, may our heart be overwhelmingly toward the person, toward being a people of reconstruction. May your kingdom come, your will be done in us and through us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Hope's Weekend Message. Visit hopefellowship.net and further connect with us by downloading the Hope app from the App Store or Google Play. Have a great day.